Hello and welcome to Soundtrack Showdown, a Halloween special. So, and in this episode, we are going to be comparing two very different films. The Stepford Wives and Get Out. And just before we go and start talking about the films, I thought it would be quite nice for us to do a little game together. Oh, yes, you want to play a game. Oh, yeah, I definitely want to do a (laughs) horror-themed game. Just, you know, because it's Halloween and it's, uh, you know, Halloween has a real dear place in my heart. And also it's a good opportunity for us to showcase how well we know horror music. Well, more specifically, how well you know horror music. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I'm sure you'll be fine. I mean, do you know horror music much? It's an interesting genre. Uh, I think as, as it's definitely going to come out every year in our Halloween episodes, it's an interesting genre with a lot of variation. So I'm curious to hear what you bring up to see if I can recognize, if not the film, at least maybe the era and the composer and maybe try and like work it out from there it's yeah i i think this will be fun and look we we don't ever um hide this fact but halloween really is let's face it's it's your thing i think did you describe it last month as it's your christmas (laughs) i take the time to celebrate halloween the same way everybody else takes the time to celebrate christmas even though some people celebrate start preparing for it back in september like Mm -hmm. seriously they've already started playing christmas music true and it's getting in the way of your your halloween totally (laughs) totally why are they not playing like you know nightmare before christmas soundtrack or why they're not playing like you know the monster mash and all the other great halloween pop music it's just so unfair all right so who's going first you going to play one of yours I hope they're easy enough. I think I know this one. That is Mia Farrow in Rosemary's Baby. Well done! Yes! (laughs) Classic. Classic horror theme. Well, you did say give you an easy one to begin with. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you very much. I really appreciate that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because the other ones are not going to be that easy. Oh, excellent. (laughs) No, well, no, I think they are. I think they are easy. But then again, I'm more I've watched more horror films probably than you have. I think you've watched more horror films than a good 95 percent of the world's population. Oh, that's so sweet. Let's see if you know this one. This one's quite interesting, but I think it's it's definitely a classic. Do you want to take a guess? So it sounds probably 80s. Hmm. 
Do you want me to give you a clue? Sure, a clue would help. Okay, it's set somewhere very, very cold in the Antarctic. Oh, oh, uh, so is it the abyss? No. No, that's not really, thing. that's not horror. Sorry, the thing? Yes! Is that the Ennio Morricone for the thing? I had no idea it sounded like that. Yeah, well, that's, that's like right at the beginning of the film, like when they're over the helicopter and they're chasing the dog to try and kill it. Okay. Okay, you got me with that one. You got me with that one, but good one. <laughs> well, you, you, you got it right, but obviously I had to give you a bit of a clue. But... It was a pretty big clue. <laughs> I still got it wrong with the first guess. The abyss is in the ocean, not even in Antarctica. I, I think I was thinking of the right one. And, anyway. You, had, you were having a blonde moment. Yes. <laughs> Okay, cool. So this is your final one, okay? Ooh, okay. I feel like this is going to be the real test. Ooh. Oh, there's a few that sound like this. Is this one, so there's a few that sound like it. I may struggle to discern them. Is that Halloween? No. No. God, no. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Nightmare on Elm Street? No. No. It's from that era, though, and it's that same... Okay, I, I'll give. Okay, uh, granted, I may have given you a really difficult one because it's actually it's it's an Ital it's an Italian horror film. Oh, is that Suspiria? Yes. Ah, yeah. <laughs> See, I so, so I feel like I generally know Suspiria, but so because Suspiria is it's by Goblin, which is yeah. like an Italian prog rock band. Yeah. And some of the, oh, a lot of the soundtrack is a bit more rocky. Whereas that one, because it has that sort of like, um, like the, the bells and the sort of the arpeggiating bits, that's what kind of tricked me with, with Halloween, which was mm. also built on that, but is then only that. Whereas Suspiria goes into, in, into new places, which is me defending myself from getting it completely wrong. Cause I was listening to the Suspiria soundtrack, like literally three days ago. Did uh, you? Oh God, you have no, you have no excuse as to no why excuses. you got it wrong then. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's embarrassing. Now I'm, I'm excited to hear what your tracks will be for me to try and guess. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I'm going to be able to test you quite as much, but uh, here we go. Um, actually, keeping with the theme of bells, try this one. Candyman? Yes, well done. Well Yay. done. <laughs> I love the wool that over theme, your eyes. though. I think yeah. it's, it, it's by Philip Glass as well. Exactly. I, I just, I love it. It's so beautiful. And it's so, it's very quite an unusual horror theme, though. Because when you listen to the piano version, it sounds so melancholic and so delicate and really sad and completely like the opposite of what's, you know, for like a slasher film, mm -hmm. you know? And I, and I think I just, I love that sort of juxtaposition there. Yeah. But 
Yeah. But yeah, so yay, one to me. Yeah, one to you. <laughs> uh, let's find one that might be able to test you just a little bit. Uh, you see this one, it's not going to test you at all because you know me. Let's try this one then. Any ideas? I don't know. For some reason, I want to say the cube, but it's not because I it's watched not. that. Um, okay, can you give me a clue? It's, for, it's a recent film, like definitely the last three years. Uh, well, I hope it's not the her it's not Hereditary, is it? No, no, no. It's part of a series of films. Oh God, please don't tell me it's Insidious. No. Oh, oh is it The Conjuring? That series. That's it. What Conjuring Two? Not that one. Conjuring? No, not that one either. Wait, how can it be? What are you talking about then? The Conjuring also goes into other films. Um, so, I don't, I don't know the name of it, but something like Annabelle? It's the other one. It's The Nun. Oh, definitely not watched that film at all. So I, have not, I would have not had any idea. <laughs> <laughs> yes, one to me. <laughs> Okay, fine. Okay. Uh, look, I uh, will give you a classic. Now, I don't know if this is necessarily the cinematic version of the theme, but you should be able to get it anyway. Hellraiser. Nicely done. So I guess, you know, uh, the winner of that little game of ours, I guess, is me. You, <laughs> of course, <laughs> as it was always going to be. Well, I'm gutted that I didn't get the second one. But then at the same time, I didn't watch the film. So I'm not too gutted about it because clearly it wasn't a very good film. So back back to the actual episode and the podcast of what we're actually, what our podcast is about. So Absolutely. And two movies that we actually have watched. <laughs> and so um, the films that we're going to be discussing, obviously, as we mentioned at the beginning, is Stepford Wise, which is a sci-fi mystery um, released in 1975, directed by Brian Forbes and music composed by Michael Small. And so just to get a little overview of what the story is. So it's basically about a quite liberal family with a very strong independent mother moving mm -hmm. from the buzzing and polluted city to the suburbs where everything is all nice and clean and well manicured and whilst meeting the residents Joanna the mother starts to think there's something quite peculiar up with the women of Stepford and then obviously that's how it all unravels and on the other hand we have Get Out which um came out what two years ago nine um 
Yeah. It's uh, the first movie by Jordan Peele, um, a, a man that probably at least some people out there would have originally known from um, the show Key and Peele, sort of a sketch comedy show, African-American actor and now director and writer. And it is, let's not make any two ways about it, it is a social-themed African-American's perspective horror movie mm. uh, that borrows heavily from Stepford Wives. It's interesting how, like, the themes that are in some ways are both commentaries of the society, but at mm-hmm. different times. So the themes, like, in Stepford Wise was basically about, like, a feminist attack on the traditional values of women, of a, what is classed to be a woman's place in society. Yep. Whereas Get Out is more like a commentary and kind of like an attack on racism. Yeah, yeah, um, that's, that's, that's exactly it. That's exactly right. Um, I think we've mentioned a couple of times in the podcast over the last couple of years that I've actually been really enjoying 1970s movies uh, recently mm. because they feel quite contemporary. Mm-hmm. And I, I sort of I've, I've been doing a bit of reading on it and trying to get a, a bit of a feel as to why why this is because I mean you watch Stepford Wives and it actually genuinely feels like it could have been made two years Today. ago. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. In terms of like the way to attack. Uh, a way it talks about things and even just in like those the central character what's her name joanne joanna the, the, joanna that's it she feels like a character that we would put in now and be like well this is a modern woman oh yeah no totally <laughs> um i mean there's a few little bits around the edges but pretty much she feels she feels modern and you're like how is this from a movie that's like almost 50 years old now and it, it feels kind of crazy and it feels crazy because it it feels like we're going backwards agree okay. Agreed. In terms of in terms of what's going on in society nowadays, so for sure. Um, but another, I, I've I read a thing about how like sort of themes have sort of emerged through Hollywood, and Hollywood sort of goes through these phases of different themes, and how one of the really strong themes in the seventies was this like mistrust in institutions, basically. That's like the, with the, the explanation being because by this point they're deep into the Vietnam War everybody's very they've had um, Richard Nixon things like that so everyone's very critical of government everyone's very critical of the army they don't trust the police they don't trust all of these things and that is very much in common with today where mm-hmm. so many of our themes are, our, our movies are about not trusting people and not trusting authority and society and things like that and I think well, that establishments is the common thread. That's meant, well yeah the establishments that are meant to look after us are mm-hmm. no longer looking after us so we feel exactly. abandoned and and obviously you lied to a lot of the times as well so yeah because i would also say that like in addition to the the feminist stuff from um the stepford wives which is huge uh, and is interesting in itself uh it also shows a lot of disdain for things like or just the, the concept of like the like the small town country club which in this case is the men's association you've got a uh, a real distrust of the advertising and like what is being presented as a model woman. You've got that scene where the housewives are basically like parroting what are clearly sort of advertising slogans. Mm-hmm. And it's shown as a very sort of negative thing of, you know, we're being brainwashed by this, these kind of slogans. There's also a whole thing. There's all those like shots of the high tech campuses outside town. And this, so there's a real sort of like distrust of the like, mysterious evil things that are being created in these corporations that have no oversight and no transparency because i mean that's kind of the idea right is that these the the robotic wives spoiler alert are being built by these 
institutions around the town, um, which again, it's just without ever sort of interrogating what's inside them. It's just, we just don't trust them. They, they show the campus sort of signs and then that's it. And there's even like a bit of mistrust of Disney <laughs> and the animatronics um, of, of Disney in there. So I, I think that's, that's really sort of interesting just how many things it's, it's criticizing in one place. Whereas obviously in Get Out, in addition to sort of just general racism, small towns, old white people, etc., you also obviously have very clear sort of we don't trust the police mm. um, and for authorities to look after you. And then this interesting kind of twist of like the TSA as being a sort of authority figure that's perhaps slightly more trustworthy because it has more demographic reality in terms of he's got a, a friend there kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, well, yeah. you know, if it's who you know that can save you or yeah. <laughs> give you the upper hand. So, yeah, no, it's interesting. What did you think about when you watched The Stepford Wives? Basically, is, is that how you felt when you watched it after doing the research? Yeah, I mean, watching it, I was just like, wow, this, this feels kind of modern. Um, they're clearly, like, attacking uh, the... A, obviously, the latent sexism of, of the 70s. and But it almost, I don't know, looking back on it now, obviously, neither of us were alive in the 70s. Obviously, we assume it was pretty bad in the 70s, but the way it kind of presents it is almost like the women in the movie are railing against the fact that the women are acting not like women in the 70s, but they're acting like women from the 50s, and mm-hmm. they're being, like, pushed backwards. That That's the vibe that I get. Obviously, I'm no expert but that's kind of how i interpreted it um coming at it from a modern audience and it yeah it's it's just sort of slightly comic very satirical and i quite liked it i was then actually quite surprised when i did do the research that at the time it was not particularly well received by feminists i don't know if you yeah i read that as well it kind of took a bit of a backlash saying that it was they felt that it was more of an attack on women yeah. Which I, I didn't really get that, though, because the villains were the males. Yeah, I think that's maybe... Yeah, agreed. I think that I can only assume is something that's changed over time, where, where perhaps we now see it through very different eyes. Maybe. I think the reason why they may have felt there was an attack on women is because of the ending, because the ending is basically on the men's side, the fact that Joanna ends up... Oh, yeah, spoiler alert! Spoiler yeah. alert, guys! And um, we are going to be talking about, you know, what happens in the movie. So if you haven't yes. gone and watched them, go and watch them. They're really worthwhile. Um, Definitely. But it's basically because Joanna ends up becoming a robot. Like there is no happy mm-hmm. ending for the women. Yeah. So maybe that's why there was a backlash from the sort of the female community. The fact that they felt, well, you know, if there was a happy for women, I think they would have celebrated it more. But yeah. they didn't see... They just maybe focus more on the ending as opposed to the lead up to it. Agreed, agreed. So, and I think that's interesting in the context of Get Out in that I think as well as obviously basing quite a lot of his film on The Stepford Wives, I feel like he's learned some lessons from The Stepford Wives. Mm. So, I mean, just going and building on what you just said there, the ending. Mm-hmm. So apparently he did shoot right and shoot another ending. Yeah, where um, Chris actually ended up in prison. Yeah, or at yeah. the end, yeah, the police turn up and he gets arrested. 
um, and he winds up in prison, which would have essentially given you an ending very much like the Stepford Wives. Mm, very um, and nihilistic. Got, yeah, <laughs> and I've got a feeling that maybe one of the reasons why he didn't go with that ending, even though it would have been dark and interesting in its own way, was because of that reaction. Yeah, because he felt that maybe true. it would come across um, negatively. The other thing I think he does very well is the very beginning, whereas, and we'll talk about this a little bit in the first round, but whereas the Stepford Wives starts with just this very domestic scene of them packing up the house and moving, etc. Mm. Well, and, there is uh, also a little hint of like uh, the little girl sees a guy holding a mannequin, isn't it? Oh, oh, yeah, nice, yeah. And that's kind of like meant to be a little um, association for what's to come in the rest yeah, of the film. Absolutely. But essentially those opening scenes establish the family, right? Yeah. They're establishing the relationship of the family. Whereas the very first scene of Get Out is that scene sort of in suburbia where you've got the, the African-American man who we'd later find out is Andre mm-hmm. just sort of walking along and we and the car sort of like pulls up behind him and stuff and he's muttering to himself and we hear him talking about, you know, don't bring attention to yourself, stay calm, don't give him yeah. a reason to get upset. And that perspective, the fact that he's in the centre of the shot and we're hearing him muttering and we're hearing him talk about that sort of reality of what it's like to be black around a white person who's being aggressive to you kind of thing mm. helps frame the entire film because it's almost impossible to watch that th- that scene and not think that this film is from the perspective of an African-American. Mm-hmm. Whereas, obviously, to get the negative reaction of to the Stepford Wives, I feel like you need to be watching it thinking, I am watching this from a male gaze. Well, and also what's interesting is that as we go into the rounds, I'll mention it again, is that when you watch Stepford Wives, you don't know whether it's going to be a horror film in any way. You no. just feel like it's going to be like maybe more of a drama film. Mm-hmm because of the way it's set up. Whereas Get Out, it's kind of like right from the get-go that this is more of like a thriller. This is something that, okay, it's going to keep you on the edge yeah. of your seats. Yeah, okay? that shock. That shock of the abduction and the yeah. costuming and everything. It, and the song, it, Run Rabbit, Run yeah. Rabbit. Oh, it's just oh, so creepy. Yeah, it, 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 it sets it up well. Um, so I think, yeah, I feel like Jordan Peele probably watched um, The Stepford Wives a few times. And mm-hmm. I think he definitely learned those lessons from it and, and quite quite well. Cool. Well, so the rounds that we're going to be talking will be round one, opening music. Yep. Round two, something is wrong. Round three, the reveal. Round four, suspense. And round five, legacy. Sounds great. Let's get to it. Round one, opening music. Just to give a little mention for our listeners, um, due to the fact that it was quite hard to actually obtain the original music for Michael oh, yeah. Small's Stepford um, soundtrack, because um, it's not so freely available online. So some of the music that we're going to be discussing and for you guys to listen to will actually be straight from the actual film. So you so can hear get... sound effects and dialogue yeah. even potentially, yeah. But which I think in some ways might be a bit of an added bonus to kind of for you to really visualize um, yeah. what the film is like. Um, you know, you never know. It might give you extra suspense and make you more scared. And it might prompt you to go and watch the film or revisit the film again. Definitely. And I would also say for anyone out there who's maybe seen the 2004 film with uh, Nicole Kidman, was it Matthew oh, don't. Broderick? Don't watch it. A, a, don't. But also if you have seen that one, 
it's not the same. They're no. completely like that is very much a comedy, whereas this other one is very uh, satirical and with with touches of horror. They're completely different genres of film. So, yeah, don't assume that the your experience of that necessarily carries over to the main one. Anyway, shall we get on to the opening music? Sure. the tone that this film is going to be more of like a drama no sense of danger because the music is so whimsical it's so like happy american mm-hmm. dream 70s vibe and what i find interesting i i like the the use of the guitar because for me what i got from it is the guitar represents potentially maybe like the 70s sort sort of like hippie sort of contemporary movement more liberal folky and how it's intertwined with the more lush violins maybe representing the old school values okay it's like the sounds of the city heading out into the country kind of a vibe exactly yeah and so yeah it's 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 more like a journey music because obviously the music plays over as they're leaving the city and on their way to the suburbs you know saying goodbye to their old the old life and stuff and trying to say hello to the new life and it's it's nice you know Mm -hmm. um that's how what i got from it it also feels almost like the opening theme to a sitcom to a certain yes. extent. Yeah. It's so fluffy. It's so light. It's so dated as well. It's so 70s, which, I mean, they can't help that. It is it actually is the 70s. I was trying to sort of listen to what made me think what I thought about it. And a couple of sort of details sort of stuck out to me. One is that the, this is getting a little bit nerdy, but like the mix is really high. Like like high pitched because there's there's like almost no deep instruments. There's no bass or anything, mm-hmm. which for particularly for like a horror film, is very unusual. Because usually there's like even if you've got something light, like with all of those things with the music boxes and stuff we we're just playing before is actually a really good example. Like even though most of what you're hearing there is really high and and stuff, there's usually this kind of like deep underbelly kind of a thing that just sort of gives you that sense of foretelling there's there's none of that well yeah there's a hint of danger or as you say like some sort of foreboding or something is not right whereas this as i yeah this music kind of makes you feel gives you a false sense of safety yeah and you you don't know what this film you don't feel that the film is going to be a horror film which is why the reveal and as you carry on watching the film it's probably it's meant to make it ever more so shocking yeah yeah about the only thing that does sound slightly off and i'm not actually sure if it's intended or if it's just because the the film stock has aged or whatever is that the the woodwinds when they come in do sound a little bit out but as i say that that could be an effect they're using and i it genuinely could be because that is an effect they use later on well, then moving on to Get Out, yes, um, which is Michael Abel's main title. I yeah. don't, I don't know how you pronounce it, but it's S- Sikileza. 
Sekeleza kwa hai kwa wa henga. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, there they is. say it a lot in the track, so you can hear it there. So that's a rather different approach. That's the exact opposite, right? Whereas Stepford Wives is like, happy, happy, happy. Let's keep this nice and gentle. Nothing's going to, nothing to see here, basically. Uh, right from the beginning, that's like, there is something off here. Well, um, I think the title, Get Out, kind of also gives you a hint. Yeah, you, you can't escape it, literally. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird. When I first watched it in the cinema, I, I found it really striking when I heard it. I mean, it really stuck with me because it was quite an unusual use of sort of Western instrumental music mixed with like ethnic vocalization. Um, and it was really, it kind of made me, f it was very eerie, quite, but quite catchy and the whispers just reminded me of like they were like ghosts of the past because yeah. um there is a sort of bluesy feel with it um with the use of the guitars um with the african influences with you know the swahili um singers mm -hmm. and apparently what they're singing as well is actually very foreboding and foretelling you know they're saying listen to your ancestors yeah. um and to basically run you know how in the stepford wise there was a a duality of um, the guitar representing maybe the modern um, contemporary world okay. and then the strings were more of the old sort of Hollywood sort of like old values I felt like in some ways the use of the guitar here is the same thing it's a we it's a western instrument and the use of the um, the African vo um, singers is basically obviously representing the ancestors okay Yeah, that's interesting. That's interesting. I kind of interpreted the guitar as being um, rather bluesy. So I sort of saw the, the guitar as being sort of like a essentially a Southern African-American influence in its, in its own right of like your sort of early blues musicians from around Memphis and New Orleans and, and things like that. So I guess I sort of tied that into the African-American sound as it were. Oh, totally. But again, obviously the whole history of the fact that the Africans were brought in to America and then having to kind of formulate and create the blues sound from sure. utilizing a Western instrument, but then making it their own. So, but that's how, how I, that, that's how I kind of interpret it. And again, I thought it was, I, I liked it. I thought it was <laughs> an interesting opening music for sure. It is. And it's one of those tracks that um, survives well outside of the film as yeah. well. I mean, outside of Tanzania, Kenya, the actual countries that speak Swahili, the words in the, the track aren't going to mean a lot to most audiences in the West. But it's, again, one of those things that this is a film that very much encourages you to go off and 
uh, if not formally study it, at least sort of unpack it a bit as to what it was saying and what it was doing and all of those things. To get some context into it, to understand what there's a purpose to it, basically. Yeah, and I think there is an element there of people are going to sit down and they're going to be like, oh, I wonder what they were saying in that track because they will remember that track. It comes back a couple of times. I think it's played over the closing credits as well just to mm-hmm. really cement it. Um, and people will be like, oh, I wonder what they're saying. And then they'll find out they're saying, yeah, listen to your ancestors, something bad's coming, run, that kind of stuff. And mm. it all ties into the overall experience. And I, I, I dig that. That's really cool. Mm. So in terms of our winner? <sighs> it's tough because they're being asked to do completely different things. Both are used throughout the film uh, as well. We, we didn't sort of say that was Stepford Wise, but it comes back a lot of times in like piano and all sorts of weird, wonderful things. Look, I think I've got to go get out. I'm going to go get out. So that's one vote for get out. So moving on to round two, something is wrong. So this is basically um, meant to kind of represent a moment in the film where something is off and the music is meant to kind of highlight that mm-hmm. um, to basically tell the audience to pay attention. Like you need to pay attention from now on to everything what's going on. So Yeah, this is a real classic phase in horror movies, isn't it? That it, I don't know if it necessarily gets talked about as much as it should this like the first inkling moment Mm. where it first plants that seed of yeah yeah something's not quite right here so with the step but wife um this is going to be a sequence from the actual film so you will be hearing the iconic i'll just die if i don't get this recipe But it's like, it's just, it's amazing. It took me a lot of discipline to wait till you finish saying that to laugh, even though it was amazingly funny all the way from the beginning. <laughs> did I get my southern accent right? <laughs> yeah, I think you did all right for a Russian. <laughs> <laughs> but so it's basically the moment where Caroline, uh, Carol um, is walking down the party and she says that iconic phrase over mm. and over and over again. And that's where we're thinking like, oh, this is this is quite Weird. unusual. Yeah. What's going on there? Yep. So here it is. I'll just die if I don't get this recipe. I'll just die if I don't get this recipe. Stuff does to you? 
I like how it's very unsettling, mm-hmm. and it's the first time that you hear this sort of tense music, and that you, as an audience, are introduced to the idea that actually this may not be a drama family type film. Like this could be yep. something else, something much more terrifying. Um, and like the underlay music is like the way it's flowing, and there's hints of that sort of dissonance, you know, those little synthy moments and phrases representing like quite robotic or something quite wiring yep. type sounds and I like how there's a certain cue um, when it hits when you see the male characters and um, it's mainly the lower notes like you first kind of hear it when it the camera pans over to or there's a shot of the doctor yeah when he sees Carol wandering around and then the husband taking notice and then him like abruptly kind of walking up to her and stuff and yeah, I think for me, like it is very creepy how she's walking around with this long dress, almost like a ghost floating and it's very mm. tense and I like it. I think I, I really felt it was very effective. Yeah, I mean, the whole thing is very just sort of, it, it sounds like blurry and broken, mm. right? Like, and which is exactly kind of fine. It gives it this dreamlike state almost exactly Um, and you don't know like what is this odd thing going on like is it a possession is it maybe that she's on some sort of medication or she's drugged or is it maybe alcohol or something so you don't really you think of those things but you you wouldn't necessarily think that it's a robot would you no i mean obviously that's where this gets a bit tricky coming back and watching it because we kind of know when you Mm. go in but you to put yourself in the idea because it's clearly a film that's meant to be watched with no knowledge of what's going on they try not to give much away mm. and yeah like it it says it's clearly off but it doesn't tell you what and mm. obviously subsequently you can go back and be like oh yeah it sounds like it's robotic and, and and off with all of the like the synth kind of sounds to it the um there's like a bit of a electronic kind of a screech that you get through the track mm-hmm. um that you can say oh yeah clearly but like if you don't know it it yeah you're right it sounds like a a druggy delusion kind of thing going on and yeah it's it is very effective what is it about these garden parties we had we had one in obviously stepford wives we had the one at the beginning of the omen we have one we're about to talk about and get out that's they're not a great place to be (laughs) yeah it's probably something in the drink something in the wine yeah must be must be but yeah no I, i really like it and you also have to sort of consider that like that sort of a sound that, um, I mean, it's an octatonic scale, so it's a bit kind of messed up and you've got, you know, the screeches and the synth and stuff. It doesn't sound quite as bad now as it did to an audience then who is less used to it. Mm. And so you do definitely have a sense of you've been watching this film and then you get this music that you're like, this sort of music doesn't happen in this kind of film. Mm. And that would be very jarring, more jarring than it would be now where I think through the superhero genre and stuff, we are more used to hearing kind of scary music and movies that are not scary and it doesn't mean anything. But I think back then it meant a lot. So, yeah, I I like it. Well, let's talk about Get Out because, let's face it, they're trying to do the same thing.
So that was Andre Reveal. Yeah. And so that was the first time we actually see the new version of Andre, who we saw him at the beginning of the film being abducted, and now we see him again, but completely different, in a completely different dress sense. Yeah, almost and unrecognizable. Yes. Um. And with the completely different mannerisms and with an old lady at his yes. arm. <laughs> Um, and obviously this is a moment where Chris is trying to kind of relate to him and feel, try and feel comfortable now that he's feels like he's got somebody who understands where he's coming from, but only to be, um, what's the word? It's sort of like rebuffed almost or rejected, you know, in a weird kind of way. Cause he tries, yeah, he tries to do the sort of, you know, find another African American at the party and maybe you can, you know, buddy up kind of thing. And yeah, he just sort of like turns him down and proves to be as white as everybody else. Yeah. So, I mean, for me, like the whole piece in, in some ways, it sounds quite seventies as well. Maybe more of like a, not a parody, but more seventies horror. And I found the flute to be very old school. Maybe it's okay. meant to represent the old man. Cause obviously the, the, the man Logan, who's now in, inhabiting um, Andre's body. Um, that's how I kind of say, mm. I feel like every, choice of instrument in this film has a meaning and has some sort of like a social cultural um sort of relevance to it it has a very similar creepiness to the step that was um i think it was one of those scenes that was influenced by the original oh absolutely i mean the the whole thing about oh we're not getting out of the house very often reminds you of like the scenes of the the robots having a a lot of shall we say relations Mm. with their male husbands um the his whole thing about oh the chores have become my sanctuary it's like that is the the moment that you're like okay he's he's telling us just flat out this is the stepford wives yeah yeah exactly Um, and both scenes like in both films are key because you know they introduce something that is meant to be very mundane but there's something there's a glitch and mm-hmm. there's it's something that we as an audience have to try and figure out yeah i agree with everything you said you've, you've got some slightly different perspectives to me interesting all right ultimately i think we wind up in the same place so for me there was quite a big difference in the get out one in that yes i agree with you that with the flute and stuff it um it has this very old-fashioned sound it's, it actually sounds a bit like the bartok music in the shining again we're back to the octatonic scales and stuff, which is similar to the the Stepford Wives. But to me, if you listen to the track outside of the film and you just sort of put it on and you don't know what film it's from, it sounds like sneaking music. Mm-hmm. It sounds like the music you put over like a heist movie where the, the burglar is going through and, and stealing stuff. And that to me is very interesting. <laughs> because it's sort of implying that he's in the wrong place and that he's somewhere inherently dishonest to be. Interesting. Okay. That's that's a clear vibe I get because it doesn't quite go down the horror end of that sound because it doesn't have the so much of the clusters and the really nasty sound whereas But it's creating the atmosphere. Yeah, it's creating that just general tension which yeah to me is more of a like a sneaking setup you're in the wrong place rather than, and you don't want to get caught mm-hmm. rather but do you than feel that something's it, wrong. But do you feel that it's highlighting that there's something wrong in that scene with that music? Oh, definitely, because this, that scene should not have music that is that haunting. 
so that you do have the juxtaposition uh, in that element they're exactly the same in that like this should be a happy scene but the music is saying there's something off but in terms of what it is saying is off, you, you I think feel it should like be a, You think it should be a happy scene, even though we have saw that character right at the beginning of the film, and now we're seeing him completely different. No, I don't. I think the framing of the scene is this is a this is a house party, uh, and particularly because this music comes in before we see Andre, as far as I know. Mm. Um, it, no, so it, it kind of does. No, it actually comes in what in the middle of um, Chris and Andre's interaction with each other. Okay. But in any case, it's like it's bright, it's sunny, there's people around, people are generally smiling and happy and the music doesn't match that emotion and it makes you pick up on the fact that something is off and, oh, this is that guy from the beginning. I, I think that would be much harder to work out if you didn't have something saying there's something wrong, you should pay attention. It's True. the juxtaposition. Yes, okay. which one did you prefer, Ella? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I did prefer the Stepford Wives, mainly because I felt like, as I said before, because it's the first time there's a hint that it's telling us there's, this is the turning point, that this is something is wrong. Mm-hmm. Whereas with Get Out, I felt like, well, we already we already knew that there is something off with the Armitage and maybe some, something off with the whole party, the fact that... It's been, it's kind of been led up to this point. Yeah, yeah, So sure. the music didn't come as a shock and it, it didn't feel like it necessarily revealed anything that made me feel like, oh, something is like, I need to pay attention enough to try and figure out what is going on and whether Chris is in danger or not. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how I kind of felt. I felt like it wasn't anything Okay, I'm just going to say it quite in the later time. So I didn't feel like it was anything new. It was great for the scene, but in comparison to the Stepford Wives, it felt much more jarring with the Stepford Wives for me. And I felt that it was far more creepier for me as well, again. I agree. I actually, I, can, I couldn't put it better myself, really. So, yeah, I also will vote for Stepford Wives. Moving on to round three, the reveal. So this is meant to kind of represent the revelation of what the film has all had been about um, and what is like all the scenes and everything the music had been leading up to. So let's start with the step of wise. The scene is called The Replacement and this is where Joanna is in the house of that hosts the men's association and she is running away from the doctor who obviously is revealed to be Mm -hmm. the architect of all the robots and stuff and she's basically trying to escape and then in the end she ends up in the room that's modeled exactly as the room in her actual home in the suburbs and obviously i the way the camera pans across and and as you hear Joanna's shock and horror, and you slowly get the reveal of the bot, the Joanna bot, basically. And as the Joanna bot turns, you see her black eyes. You see that she's not fully finished, which is interesting. I felt that in that scene, I was just like, oh, that's creepy. That's... Yeah, it confused me a bit when I first saw that, but it was only kind of later on. I was like, oh, it's because I haven't finished yeah. the eyes yet. It, it sort of took a little moment to sort of tweak. But, but I love this shot. As just a creepy moment. It is a moment, creepy moment. But also, yeah. you get a little shot uh, of her enlarged b- bosoms. Did you get that right away? Yes, because, uh, okay. because in, it was a theme throughout the film. 
that clearly all the men wanted their wives to have big bosoms and how Bonnie was complaining how, oh, well, my breasts are very small, but like, fuck it, sort of oh, thing. You know, you get, you, get what, you get what you're given, sort of thing. And then, you know, when she becomes the bot, she comments on like, oh, yeah, so we went away and then we, I got these great gifts of these big bosoms my husband gave me. It's amazing. Yeah, I... I just hadn't picked up on that. It was only when I sort of saw comments and stuff in reviews and things that, yeah, her bosoms, as it were, had been changed that I was like, oh, yeah, they had been showing her, like, essentially without a bra for the entire film, so you had a very clear idea of her physique. Mm -hmm. And then they did linger on it. I thought they were just lingering on it because they were being gratuitous. I didn't realise they were lingering on it because they were different. But, yes, completely, completely right. So here it is. Here's the music. So what did you think of it then? Look, I, the thing I find most interesting about this scene is that this movie came out before The Shining because to me it feels a lot like the end of The Shining when, oh, what's the name of the wife? It's Shelley Duvall, but like what's, what's her? Well, anyway, the wife is running around the house and it, it, like the movie just completely loses the plot and the music is wild and it's all over the place and she walks into rooms and there's ghosts there doing weird things. Like... It's just completely disorienting and it's crazy. And that's exactly what this film does mm -hmm. at this point. Well, it's meant to, I guess, you were meant to go on this journey and have the same energy as Joanna's character is meant to have. So I think yep. it does it well, yeah. Yeah, I, I just, I didn't expect to see a scene like this before The Shining. I thought it, it may have developed it, but it clearly was a thing. And apart from that, I mean, it does all of the same things. You've got the sort of the clusters, you've got, the the Penderecki type stuff we've spoken about before. You've got your harmonics. You've got the plane, the instrument below the bow to give you those harsh, harsh, scratchy sounds. It's it's classic modern horror, twentieth century mm -hmm. horror music, and it works. Yeah, it just basically it gives you this overload of tense horror music. Also, it's meant to kind of put you into this sort of mindset of like being 
helpless as well, like Joanna mm-hmm. is, and you're drastically all wanting her to try and escape, and the music is like not giving her that opportunity to escape. You know, it's really frantic the music, I think. And what I love even more so when you see the reveal of the Joanna bot, how the music changes when you see her or see it. It's, mm. It becomes very lush and very like, not otherworldly, but just very like beautiful, you know, to symbolize this thing. Yeah, I mean, you say beautiful. I also say that it starts to sound more fake and synthesized because you've yeah. had not just real instruments, but you've had like, with all of the scratching and um, aleatoric stuff and things, they are sounding very real and organic because you've got the real scraping of the strings and stuff. Um, so it's like hyper real, if you know what I mean. And then well, yeah, you, yeah, exactly. So I feel like it's meant to, so the music, the tense horror type music is meant to represent what's going on inside Joanna's mind. And then when you, as, as you see the shots of the robot, it's obviously meant to highlight this fakeness, this all sampled, yeah, it's synthetic. artificial yep. being. And it's uncanny then, and disturbing mm. in a whole different way. Yeah, and I think that's, again, it's meant to kind of slightly put the audience into a false safety. And then then it rips them apart because then obviously you see the shot of um, the robot with the stocking going over to Joanna to obviously kill her. Yeah. And I like the fact that you don't see the end of that. You just, it leaves the imagination to the audience to kind of finish it up. Yeah. So let's move on to Get Out. So this is, the track is called Mental Prep. So this is when Chris, he's been abducted and he's been strapped in this room where he is being shown a sort of TV, Tevilized, I can't even say this word. Okay, so he's basically being shown on the TV of the blind guy who's going to be taking over his body and he's basically explaining what's going to happen to him. Well done. (laughs) (laughs) Got there in the end. (laughs) So here it is. Like the scene is great, but mm-hmm. I found the music to be quite subdued Interesting. in the film. Like it's you you can barely hear it mm-hmm. in in certain parts. Obviously during because obviously during the dialogue, okay, usually the the rule is the music needs to be very quiet anyways. Yeah. But I felt like it was compared to when you listen to it on its own, I was just kinda like, Whoa, all this was going on during that scene. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you listen to the track and you're like, Oh, Oh. Yeah, this is like really like full on. I was like, oh, no, I definitely didn't hear this bit. Yeah. Um, so, but what's interesting is that um, it ties in all the themes that were uh, in the film 
throughout together all in one scene you know you've got the sunken theme uh the, yeah the sunken theme you've got the ancestors theme um i'm sure you've got chris's theme and so so there's a lot of themes that are actually basically played back to back um and when you get this revelation of the blind guy telling him how this whole process began and what they're doing and you know why and you get flashbacks of well, I wouldn't say flashbacks, but I guess it all kind of gives you scenes of how they managed to do these mm. um, body sort of manipulations, I guess. What did you think then? It's what I think it does well, and it's similar in a way to the types of sounds that you get in the in the replacement, is you've got a lot of like very slow scraping sounds from the strings there's a lot of like scraping and the like the little tight clusters what what we sort of in the biz call rubs where you've got two notes right next to each other and they just sort of like slide off you've got a lot of like overlapping long notes that just sort of like bleed in and out of each other and i feel like the purpose of that sonically is it blends quite well with that sound of the spoon in the teacup which is the like sonic um, indicator of his hypnosis and I think that's a very strong effect and so I think the main thing I like about this track is that he's in a very intelligent and practical way used these sounds which as we've sort of shown from the, the tracks at the beginning and in Stepford Wives are so normal in horror these tight string clusters etc he's using them but he's applying them to that very specific purpose of blending in with the existing sound design. And that's clever. Okay, yeah. But if I was to criticise it, it would be that something clearly went wrong in terms of somewhere a decision was made to bring in these themes from elsewhere in the movie, like Sikileza and stuff mm -hmm. like that, but it wasn't able to be actually inserted in the film into in, in an audible sense. And that's that's a little disappointing that they weren't able to get that to happen. Now, that's not... Probably not even Michael Abel's fault. That's probably a change to the scene that happened later on. But it's a shame that it didn't kind of but get to I tie think in. Would, watching the film, would you ex have expected the music to be much more intense than it was? Probably. Or were you quite, or were you happy with the energy that it was showcasing? Yeah, I mean, as so obviously in terms of a reveal, it's very different, right? Where yeah. in the replacement, you've actually got the big monster reveal, essentially. Mm -hmm. This, it's more of a, like, the bad guy tells you his plan before you blow it all up, like a sort of classic yeah. Bond film. Um, so it's a very different kind of scene. So I guess it doesn't need it. It, it, it is more about you need to pay attention to um, the guy on the TV and what he's saying because um, he basically spills the entire plot for you. It almost didn't need music. Music here is used like it's used a lot in Get Out just to kind of add a consistency of forbidding feel to scenes without really tying a lot together, I think. Okay. But then for you, who would be the winner? I think I have to go with Stepford Wives. Interesting. Yeah, I think I do. Yeah, yeah me too. Wow, okay. <laughs> I think for me, I didn't feel as scared... The music didn't yeah. lead me to feel this sense of anxiety, like, oh my God, poor Chris is going to get his brain removed and replaced with this old man brain, you know? So it's, uh, yeah. I just, I didn't feel the danger as much as I felt um, Joanna's danger. Yeah, definitely. 
definitely. And look, let's face it, at this particular level, these are entirely comparable tracks because in both cases, the music is giving you the emotion of the central character mm-hmm. as they have revealed to them, I am about to be turned into a robot. Like they are both essentially thinking the same thing. There's some slight yeah. nuances between them, but they're basically thinking the same thing. They're basically going to be losing themselves. They're going yeah. to be losing their identity. And it is night and day, the amount of terror and emotion in each track. And I think, mm. yeah, Stepford Wives more accurately depicts how I would imagine I would be thinking if I was in that scenario. Yeah, yeah. So then moving on to round four, which is suspense. Classic. Let's move on to uh, Stepford Wives. And what's the track called? I Thought We Were Friends. Yeah, so this is a scene where obviously this is another triggering moment where uh, Joanna basically finds out that Bonnie is no longer Bonnie. Bonnie's now been become a bot but she doesn't know that she's become a bot she knows that she's been changed she's now become like like the stepford wives and but she doesn't understand what it is so she tries to reclaim bonnie's psyche Mm. back and to remind herself of who she is and then she kind of just gives this sort of monologue of like well you know if i i bleed you should bleed as well and then i do find it very strange how her decision to stab her friend as opposed to maybe just take her hand and cut herself like she cut her her herself no 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 no. she went and stabbed her and i'm just like hang on a minute what if she was alive yeah what if she you know what if she was just possessed you ultimately would have just ended up killing your best friend yeah it's like that's a little bit extreme yeah yeah i really was i was just like whoa 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 like you didn't need to go that far but yeah then obviously you get the reveal that actually Bonnie's not human anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so here it is. Do you bleed? Why, look at your hand. No, you look. Joanna. So yeah, what did you think? It's clever. I dig it. I think it's a, so. This, I mean, I think this is possibly the best scene in the film for me. It's quite sad in its own way because Bonnie's been such a like a great character. She's just good fun. 
sort of character that you you you, you just want to see and do well and whatever. You and want then... her to be your best friend. You do. Yeah, right? Because mm. she's so energetic and she's so, like, always questioning things and she just uh, lives her own life the way she does. Yeah. And, and, and what's sad is that she actually thought that she was getting away from Stepford as well. But yes. ultimately, you know, it was on false pretenses that actually, no, she was just being led to her death. So that was quite sad. It was, it's, it's one of those moments that you really do feel for the character, like, like oh, no, yeah. not Bonnie. Yeah, like, exactly. Please, not Bonnie. Exactly. Um, that's that's the exact, exact emotion that I felt. Um, I love that it's basically the main theme, but it's totally messed up and played through some sort of, like, detuned synth mm-hmm. to just sort of make it sound really robotic and broken. Yeah. It's like that sort of high-pitched sort of wiring style. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and I like, I totally agree. I like how it's so out of place. I didn't realise it was actually the main thing. Is it from the beginning of the film then? Yeah, basically, oh, yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Um, but I love how it's meant to highlight that the music is so out of place, but so is the situation of what yeah. just happened. You know, Joanna stabbing Bonnie, yeah. and she should have been bleeding for one, and on the floor potentially dying. Yeah. Um, but neither has happened, and you end up in, you have this turning point and confirmation of Joanna's fears that, okay, this is this is fucked up basically yeah and what i think what makes it even for me what makes it suspenseful is actually quite how calm and steady the music is because you don't know if at any point bonnie is actually going to turn on joanna and maybe harm her due to her malfunctioning you that's where you kind of feel this tension because of her going backwards and forwards and doing this whole robotic dance thing yeah and you just have this tension, like, oh my god, is is she at any point gonna pick up that knife and stab Joanna? The music, it didn't go even more, more intense and like more horror sounding. It kind of was yeah. quite steady all yeah, the way it is. through. Yeah, it gets kind of stuck in a loop. Yeah, basically, it reminds me of, and this is, I feel like this isn't as unique an experience as it should be, but I went to Disneyland once, and I was on It's a Small World. And the it's ride got a stuck. Small world after all. The ride got stuck, and I was Did in the it? middle of it. It actually got stuck, <laughs> and I was in the middle of it. And it's basically <laughs> oh, a loop. And th- the sound design of that particular ride is very much that, like, it basically almost like fades into the new sections as you as you sail around the the thing because you're on these little boats, and you go through the the ride and then you, you you know go through the different cultures and the different you know indian sounds and russian sounds and all all, all of that and, but I, yeah i got stuck in the middle which is like i think there's a decent number of people out there for whom that would be their worst nightmare uh it very much it that that's kind of the vibe it had of you you're around these disney animatronics that have gotten stuck so they're <laughs> excessively happy but it's also creepily looping and stuck that, that's wow. the vibe yeah and how old were you oh i was like 25. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. Well, wait, were you traumatized then? No, I wouldn't say traumatized, but it was definitely one of those things you get out the other end. You're like, well, that was unpleasant. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, well, I guess like if you were, well, no, I think anybody can get traumatized at any age. So that's mm. why I was just yeah. trying to imply. So yeah, are you okay? Where, it was like, it was like 10 o'clock at night. Like it was, it was late oh. night. And so it's a <laughs> time, that, you know, there's no kids or anything really on the ride. Like maybe. 14 year olds or whatever but there's not it like base, honestly like tristan it, it takes all the the boxes of what this would have been a perfect horror moment for you yeah 
Yeah. All you, all that was missing was like some sort of like crazy guy with a knife coming yeah. out, jumping out, and running after you. <laughs> it, it, look, it was definitely the setting for a horror film. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, it's that creepy carnival vibe, which let's face it, horror has been playing with since the beginning. Right, all uh, right. Shall we move on to Get Out? <laughs> yeah, let's do. <laughs> which is exactly what I wanted to do at that time. And the track we're going to be listening to is this is an interesting scene. Uh, Georgina weeps. great scene it's a great scene a truly amazing scene i mean just to kind of explain it you've got uh, the actress betty gabriel she's playing three roles at once she's playing georgina on the surface the the help the black maid then you've got her playing the grandmother because that's the voice that's coming out but then deep inside you have whoever that character whoever that woman was that was abducted to become the maid slash the grandmother which may have been a maid called Georgina or may have been someone else entirely, but it's sort of like three layers to this character. And it's a crazy little piece of acting how she's just like, she doesn't recognise the word snitch, I think. There's this confusion. She has to sort of act in this very old lady white way. And then you've got the tear, the Georgina weeping. It's a, a really, really great moment. I'm personally... A little bit surprised they had music for this scene at all. Mm. Just because of all of those layers, because on some level you're like, if you have music here, it's going to attach to one layer more than the others and prevent you from seeing them. I can see what they've done. They've, it's The music is very much from Chris's perspective and it's, uh, it's basic uh, creepy horror music. You know, mm-hmm. it's a suspense music. It's it's just saying this is wrong and this is uneasy and it's uncomfortable and it, I guess, kind of encourages you to see the weirdness in the scene um, mm-hmm. and to bring that detail out. But, the, yeah, it almost feels like the scene might have been better without it. I don't know. What do you think? I agree to some extent. Like, I never... I hadn't actually thought about it what the scene would be without the music Mm. Uh, because as you say the acting is so great sometimes you just need to just let like the actor carry the scene without just get out of the way yeah Yeah, exactly so in some sense like thinking about it now i do agree however again i think the music that was used in the film is slightly different to the track that we listened to um because i think it's a little bit well because i'm basing my feedback based on the music with the film yep so for me when when the harp comes in and what's interesting is like the harp is usually associated with royalty okay. and it's like it was believed that like the strings of the harp represents the arms of the king so whether it's meant to be playing up to the whole armitage's name and history and like the whole white supremacy um how it's been inverted in this film makes gives it a really sort of dark creepy tone and 
Hmm. For me, I feel that when the brother, the grandma re- regains herself, her like the control over the body, the music kind of signifies that. And when she says, oh, the, the Armitage treat us like family, you can hear the orchestral drums kind of like, because she raises her eyebrows slightly. She yeah. kind of gives that. And the, there's a percussive drum kind of hitting that bit. And then the strings are sustained and they kind of becomes quite lush and very quite old school. Okay. And for me, again, uh, maybe I might be wrong, but that's how I interpret it that the music kind of plays up to the whole um, the taking over of the body and their mentality, their values and their the way they see the world. So, you know, the grandma and the grandpa, they come from a world where, you know, it was all like 40s, 50s and everything was of a certain optimism and like American dream like and the music reflected that. Mm. And so I felt like that the music was a little bit of an homage to that to kind of reflect the to represent the character, okay. especially when she walked off. Because the music to me, the ending of the music was quite not positive, but it wasn't scary. Yeah, okay. Or sinister to me enough. It just, it kind of switched a little bit how it was a little bit like... Duh-duh. Yeah, you know? all right. And that's how I saw it. But then when you listen to the music on its own, it's completely different because then again, you have the ancestors' vocals in coming in um, as you listen to the rest of the music. It's interesting how they seem to incorporate that a lot more into the album than they do into the film. Yeah. Fair enough. Which do you think is better? I like the Stafford Wives just because, again, it's the fact that it was... The suspense, I felt more... And the uneasiness, I felt more with the Stafford Wives. And also because I felt much more invested with Bonnie. Yeah. (laughs) What did you think? Well, I mean, I kind of have to go the Stafford Wives as well because, as I said, like... I almost come out of the Georgina Weep scene feeling like it didn't need the music and I didn't feel like the music added that much. Whereas the Stepford Wives, it, it totally fits uh, and it works very, very effectively in, in that scene. And while I feel a lot for Georgina and particularly that moment when you unpack it and you're like, oh, there's, yeah, the three layers and stuff and it's, it's phenomenal, you really feel Bobby, Bonnie. So that is two... Two votes for Stepford Wives. So that is not how I expected this to be going so far. <laughs> oh, well, it might all change in Legacy. It might, it might. So, shall we move on to round five? Legacy. Well, in terms of Legacy, I mean, God rest his soul, Michael Small unfortunately has passed away. Mm-hmm. And so it, he's quite um, not a very well-known composer. Oh. I mean, he's done quite very well-known films. Aside from The Stepford Wise, he's done um, uh, The Postman Always Rings Twice. But and not the also- early famous one, uh, the later Jack Nicholson one. But yes, yes. And so he also provided music for Arnold Schwarzenegger's Pumping Iron film as well. (laughs) (laughs) How could we ever forget? (laughs) And he also did the tense drama Marathon Man as well with Dustin Hoffman. And I mean, I think I think it's a bit of an underrated soundtrack to be honest. It's not one that people talk about for. Well, for one thing, it's not available. It's not available for one thing. That too. That too. 
I think to a certain extent it's easy to dismiss because of the electronic sound that it has. I think we can kind of look back at it now and be like, oh, well, he's just doing 70s music, whatevs. But like, as we kind of showed in our little game at the beginning, like horror music of the 70s in particular was all over the place because like the genre was really just getting going like the modern horror movie the slasher flick the the that kind of stuff i mean you've got films like halloween suspiria texas chainsaw massacre the various like uh, dario argento ones the um, cannibal holocaust like they, they all kind of came out in the 70s right and they all have very different styles i think horror as a genre it was very experimental at the time they were just trying all sorts of different crazy things and, and seeing what worked and some of those things survived and some of those things didn't and i think in terms of music i mean i just very quickly sort of ran down five of the 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 70s horror music sounds i could think of and you have like what we talked about this time last year the omen which was very classical film score with choir and very gothic and that kind of stuff you had Jaws, which used the sort of um, Bernard Herrmann type uh, string motifs. Yeah, harking back to our very first episode. Um, you had The Shining, which did the whole Pendretsky 20th century atonal stuff, which I think you would probably say is the sound that won the war of what should a horror movie sound like in general. Then you had things like what you played earlier, Suspiria, where you had like prog rock bands and then sort of adjacent to that things like halloween and the exorcist which were just full-on prog metal kind of a sound and they were just trying all sorts of different things and in this case i think it was trying to avoid sounding like any of those things until it absolutely had to mm. um and then when it did it actually used a whole bunch of those things because it did use the crazy string techniques like The mm -hmm. Shining, it did go down the electronica sounds a bit like even like Suspiria and, and stuff at times. And I think that is very interesting because it was very on trend and sort of topical with all of that stuff. And I also think it's intriguing that like his Marathon Man soundtrack, which is possibly better known and is available, actually sounds a lot more like Get Out than this one does. It has that same suspense sound that Get Out uses a lot. Whereas this one is definitely him stretching himself in all sorts of weird and wonderful directions in order to help tell the story better. Um, which, while I don't think it's influential that much, is certainly very clever. Mm. So, shall we talk about Get Out? Yeah, so Michael Abels. I think he's doing pretty well for himself because him, uh, Jordan Peele and his collaboration... They've also worked on Us as well, yep. which is another horror film. So we should point out that Michael Abels is an African-American composer himself. I think he'd yeah. been largely a teacher until that point, but sort of Jordan Peele brought him in. And look, the man's good. Um, yeah. it's, it's good to hear him writing in big films and Jordan Peele has introduced him to the world and that's, that's fantastic. I think in terms of the music outside of the movie, Sicilaser is where it's at. That is the piece of music that kind of screams itself out literally and figuratively in the movie and says, listen to me, I'm interesting, unpack me. And then mm -hmm. you go out, you research it, you find out what's going on, you read articles about it. This is a film that to me... So when I was at university, I did a course in, uh, what was it called, um, Politics and Literature and Film. This okay. movie is going to be in those courses for decades, right? Yeah. Like, this is one of the best movies at sort of um, making a, a political social issue very accessible and presenting itself in a very interesting way. It's a, it's, a, it's a great piece of work. 
it's going to encourage a lot of essays, a lot of critical thought, a lot of analysis for many years, both from filmmakers, but also from sort of people in the social sciences. And things like Sikileza, I mean, they're just there to to be unpacked and explored and enjoyed. And it, it's it's very good. And it's very I think it, I agree with that, and I think it will be alongside the Stepford Wives because you have to mm-hmm. remember that if it wasn't for the Stepford Wives film, like Get Out would have not been. Yep. It would have. It, it, I'm sure there would have been like a different. I mean, there's been a lot of other films commenting on the situation on social, like social commentaries about um, the issue with the way blacks have been treated, but in America, mm. um, <clears throat> this is. The fact that it was done in a kind of like intellectual, subtle way. Yeah. Again, I feel like it would have not been done had the Stepford Wives not got there first mm-hmm. with their comment- social commentary on, you know, f- feminist movement and, you know, what a woman, what a woman's place should be or mm-hmm. what it should look like. And that sort of battle between different viewpoints of, you know, the male perspective versus the female perspective, you know. I mean, the, in terms of legacy, in terms of the film, you know, Stepford Wives obviously is quite stronger mm-hmm. because it led the way. Music-wise, I feel like, well, I think Michael Smalls just... Maybe I would have liked maybe he should have done more horror films, like, as opposed to more drama and thrillers. Yeah, maybe. I think he invokes some fear through his music and uneasiness. Yeah, I, I think so. And I think actually one one of the ironies here is I don't know if there were that many more horror, fil- like sort of intelligent ho- horror films in this way in the 70s because the slasher film kind of won. That became the, the big thing that everybody watched for a decade in terms of scary movies. And so that style went away, whereas I think you do get a lot more of these like this film has horror elements, but it's also just saying stuff now. Mm. I mean, even just like The Witch last year is kind of a similar thing. It definitely has horror elements, but it's, you almost question, is this a horror movie or not? You've got a couple of horrific moments, but... Or is you... this like a reflection um, trying to show us like a mirror sort of yeah. reflection of like what the society is yeah. thinking? Exactly, exactly. Beyond that, I think the main thing that I take out of Get Out in terms of him as a composer and his relationship with Jordan Peele, because sometimes it's hard to separate everything, is that there's a great ear there. Like, this guy clearly understands orchestration. He uses it in very very simple, very subtle ways, but where it works perfectly in the sound design of the film, which I guess is why maybe it jars for me sometimes when he's written something that didn't make it into the final mix. Because mm. I feel like in scenes like with the the teacup and stuff, he writes stuff so perfectly that we can have the music up quite loud along with the sound effects because everything matches so perfectly. And that's why I then get a little bit like, oh, well, that, that wasn't quite so cool if they, they felt they had to cut you there. I think it's nice because he speaks, he definitely is a voice for um, the African-American composers because, you know, what he does amazingly great, as you mentioned with, because he's really good at orchestration. He does very similar, exactly the same thing for um, us mm-hmm. um, when he takes um, a very hip, you know, he takes a very well-known hip-hop song okay. and then he basically deconstructs it and turns it into an orchestral piece. And it is phenomenal. Uh, phenomenal. Yeah. <laughs> it is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it is a really great 
piece of music yeah. and in the scene maybe I don't I think it's it's great on its own I don't think it was particularly well used in the film but um but that's I think him using those influences from his um again on the one hand ancestors and from one from um pop culture that um the community does is quite I think is great giving that putting it into the limelight and utilizing it and giving it putting mm. it to the forefront I think and that's where he's making quite an impact uh, and so his legacy should be that's where his legacy I guess is going towards of educating people yeah and I think do you know what I mean I do, I do know what you mean. And I think the the one la the last thing I'll say on this is that we need to remember that this is the first film by Jordan Peele, the first feature film by Jordan Peele, and it's pretty much the first film score by Michael Abels as well. Mm -hmm. And that means a lot in terms of, like, so Jordan will have come in there and, you know, every every filmmaker in their first film, and we've worked with a few filmmakers in their early films, they they have very firm ideas of what they want, very sort of clear. I need this sound this way, and so you're kind of limited by what is the imagination of the director as much as mm -hmm. anything, because they're not allowing too many outside influences in. Because this is their first big chance, they want to say what they want to say, they want to do their thing, and this is definitely one of those sorts of films. And he's clearly he's gone off and he's found a new uh, a composer who hasn't done anything before, and that in itself tells you something that he hasn't gone off to get like John Williams or Hans Zimmer or something to be like the professional on the music side and you know bring the big industry in. He's gone for someone who he clearly feels he can have a close relationship with and get to do exactly what he wants. Mm. And on the first few films that they do, that is going to be limiting because you are. You know, you're constraining your composer, you're constrained by your own understanding of what's available, what's possible, and all of those things. It will be fascinating if and as they continue to work together where that goes. Because over time, obviously, he's going to get much more of an idea of Mike, what Michael Abels is capable of, what Michael Abels thinks about music, where he can go. And I suspect he'll let him off the leash a bit more and let him really stretch his muscles. So I, I think legacy-wise, it's a real, this is a great start and watch this space. Mm -hmm. So then in terms of winners? Yeah, I'm going to go with Get Out, but for me, that was very close. I think if we were purely discussing the film's legacy as opposed to the film music legacy yeah. i would have gone for the step of wives but in terms of the film music side i think it would have to be going to michael abel's because sadly it's only purely because there isn't so much information about michael small mm. as there should be so that's a round for get out yep which means that our winner by three rounds to two, because we have agreed on every round, we are back. We are back into those bad old days, Ella. <laughs> but it's the Stepford Wives. A well-deserved recognition. I did not expect that to go that way. We probably had preconceived ideas before going into this podcast, and we were pleasantly surprised. I. I am shocked. 
I was because I mean, let's face it, we did this backwards from Get Out, right? Like we'd both seen Get Out a couple of years ago. We were excited about it. We were intrigued by it. We wanted to talk about it, and Stepford Wives sort of stepped forward as being the obvious choice to compare it to, without us mm. having seen the film or really knowing what to expect entirely in terms of the specifics. Next month. Yes, Tristan. What are we going to be talking about next month? So you'll remember that in November last year we spoke about our favourite things, some of our favourite tracks. We thought, in the spirit of the season, we would flip that on our on its head this year and we will, in fact, be talking about sort of not necessarily five tracks or five movies but five things in film scoring that we don't like. We're going to call it our pet peeves episode. I suspect some of those will not come as surprises for people who have, <laughs> who have been listening to the podcast over the years. But I, I think it could be quite interesting just to kind of get a feel as to what we don't like about where film music is going. And what will be even more interesting is that some of the things that we don't like, you might actually like. So yeah. I, um, almost by definition, like a lot of the things we don't like are going to be things that are popular and keep being done. That's what will bring it to the attention to us of something we don't like. We're unlikely to talk about something that we heard once and literally everybody was like well that was bad and it was never done again that's probably not going to come up as a pet peeve it will be the things that yeah like people keep on doing and you and i are just like i wish i'd stopped doing that (laughs) which maybe even originally we liked but perhaps because we've heard it so many times now we're like not not again not again like i'm over it i'm over it now come on let's give us the new trend okay exactly exactly so i'm I'm looking forward to that i think that'll be very interesting and at this point i will mention if you're listening to this on your podcast app and you are like yeah what happened to september that is because our september episode was a twitch stream which is also available on youtube so if you want to find that episode, which where we did, uh, what was it, uh, Street Fighter versus Mortal Kombat, how could I ever forget? Um, <laughs> we will leave a link to that in the, in the description to this just to make it easier because we understand it's in a different place and it's a bit fiddly to find. It is, it is an interesting watch. There are a couple of technical glitches, but I think we, we did okay. There were also, um, yeah, it, it was good fun. A lot, of, a lot of fights between Ella and I, virtually, of course. But we're um, still friends. We're still friends. We still came together for Halloween. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. No, it was actually it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, it was sp- the surprise was the, was the fact that you won many more times than I expected, but purely because you had like the upper hand of practicing <laughs> on Mortal Kombat 11 and Street Fighter 5 than I did. I, I have was all the old. How long it would take for you to start making excuses? <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey! And there's proof in the video. There's proof that even my controller was on low battery. Yes. You sat right to sabotage me. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, go off and watch the episode. And if you like that, because it was it was different and it was interesting. And if you like it, put a comment in there, subscribe, like, and it will let us know that perhaps in future, particularly for games, we should maybe do some more sound and visual um, presentations rather than just doing the podcast so that would be really appreciated and of course if you are enjoying the podcast please do all the usual things like subscribe and put in nice five-star reviews on itunes and wherever else you get it but probably more importantly just tell a friend if you tell one friend every month that there's this podcast called soundtrack showdown and you really enjoy it they're really cool they're really funny just spread the word just get some more listeners in here and, and, and share the love Apart from that, 
I mean, it's that wonderful time of the year where Ella is, I know, going out in uh, crazy outfits, or are they outfits, every night because it is <laughs> definitely party season. Uh, where she gets to reveal her true colours, mainly black. Are you are you not going out? <laughs> uh, maybe once or twice. Not, it's not it's not really my time of year. Oh, I need to co- I need to convert you. Wow, there we go. Um, I do what I do love. I mean, we both live in London. It was around this time of year, particularly on the weekends, when you're on like public transport. So many people in costume, and there's nothing quite like sort of sitting down on the tube the same way you've gone to work like for months and you've just got like a zombie, a werewolf, a couple of vampires. <laughs> it's, there Isn't is something real? quite magical it... about that. Magical? I see them every day. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I see those zombies everywhere. Those zombies and vampires every time. Okay. They're just like <laughs> showing their real colours by yeah. dressing up. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> See what I've done there? Oh, so clever. So <laughs> clever. <laughs> but anyways, um, I've got some work to do on you, Tristan. Yeah. <laughs> and um, apart from that, stay classy. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Bye. Bye. Friday on the farm is rabbit pie day. So every Friday that ever comes along, I get up early and sing this little song. Run, rabbit, run, rabbit, run, run, run. Run, rabbit, run, rabbit, run, run, run. Bang, 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 bang goes the farmer's gun. Run, rabbit, run, rabbit, run, 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 rabbit, run, rabbit, run, run, run. Don't give the farmer his fun, fun, fun. He'll get by without his rabbit pie. So run, rabbit, run, rabbit. Run.